A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Hey folks, do you want to make some money making picks on MLB games? Then all you have to do is head over to Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. You pick two to five players, you get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with my promo code, PULLHITTER, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with pull hitter at the promo code and get your first deposit doubled up to 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob D, the Pull Hitter. I'm here with my normal co-host, Dom, the bullpen guru. We have a special guest tonight, Mr. Todd Hoppy. Todd, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob. Really appreciate it. I listen every week, so glad to be on. Good stuff. Dom is fresh off of a nice trip to Aruba. He's fucking nice and tan. He's got the got the slick back hair and a tank top. If you guys really see this picture of him right now, he's got a big smile <laughs> on his face. He's in heaven. How was yeah. the trip, Dom? Good. It was it's good. good. It's good. Yeah. Nice it's... to uh, you know, nice to get away, get some sun, not have a care in the world. I, I highly recommend anyone that can do it, do it. Was it a child-free vacation, or did they come? Yeah, it was child-free for me. On the resort, there were children there, and I was wondering how the hell people would bring their kids to uh, to Aruba because it's not like you can, you know, sit on the beach with you know your your two and three and four year old, like you know. So it's uh, interesting, but I guess if you if you're not lucky enough to have childcare options while you want to go, right to a tropical it's resort true. you have no other option but to bring them with you so um yes but for me it was, it was a uh, child-free trip so how was your baseball intake overseas uh, oh you, you know uh it was it my, like so you know so monday the uh the seventh was my anniversary that was the infamous uh free look day so oh god I, it was it was my first <laughs> it was my first full day in aruba i'm like oh. at an all-inclusive so i'm i'm pretty lit and uh you know my wife's getting ready to go out to dinner we had a late dinner reservation at like 8 30 so she's getting ready it, it's seven o'clock all hell's breaking loose on twitter i'm there like pretty much in the bag i'm just cracking jokes on twitter about you know the whole situation i'm i'm sitting there like laughing to myself at how ridiculous it is and then <laughs> then i'm like all right maybe i should uh try to take advantage of this a little bit so i'm, I'm trying like you know, pretty like on the verge of blacking out. Um, 
trying to, you know, check stats, see what's going on, go to my DC teams, see who I have. And like, it got to a point where it was like maybe like 730, 745. I was like, I can't even keep up with this shit. Like I spent, I spent the morning of like just setting my lineups and stuff so that I didn't have to worry about it later in the day. So I was pretty well off as compared to other people. So like my lineups were pretty much set as I would have wanted. Um, so it was just purely like trying to take advantage of the situation, which, um, but then once we were off the resort, I didn't have, um, Wi-Fi or anything like that. So I, I couldn't keep track of anything. So, uh, it was just, um, so I had that going on. So it was a pretty ridiculous day, uh, you know, to be on fantasy baseball Twitter, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was well off, but, uh, other than that, you know, Mets were, uh, completely in full tank mode so I, w I wasn't really too interested in keeping up on what was going on there so um the, the I, drinks I were just flowing at that yeah point. You know, yeah like I, is... yeah i wasn't I, I was pretty much um just box you know uh box score following box scores the next day and seeing what was going on and um you know listening to your podcast taking a walk on the beach listening to pods and, and just catching up through that so it was, nice. it was good i i didn't really watch much baseball at all i was there it was just i'd catch up like the next morning so it was good let's run through your tweets real quick on that infamous free look this is uh, great i personally think no lineup changes should be allowed the rest of the season and just play out the string hashtag server gate <laughs> Lineup should lock on Tuesdays going forward. Everyone needs a mental health day after <laughs> Fab runs on Sunday. <laughs> then, quote tweeted the NFPC set lineup set for nine, and you in capitals wrote, "Do I hear midnight?" with three question marks. <laughs> and then this was the best one. This is this is the ice on the cake. This one is fantastic. I am addicted to retroactive lineup setting. What a rush! <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good was, one. I, I, that that was true. I was I was like I was sitting there and I was like, this is fantastic. Just like going back and like, oh, you know, uh, whatever, Cronenworth zero for four. All right, bench. Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was it was a good time. What were your thoughts, Todd, on how how it went down? Like, how did how would you rate how they handled it? I guess, and or like what they could have done better. Like, what did you didn't like about it? I guess, or it was a tough moment for everyone. I. Everyone had their different, you know, thoughts on it. So I just wonder if you had any perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I it was kind of a bad look to not have some sort of statement out there, sort of clarifying things until it felt like the last minute, and then they mm -hmm. were like, uh, nine o'clock, sure. Like, uh, whenever the football drafts, and you know, like there was an aspect of it that felt uh, a little bit like they were sort of ignoring the problem. And I know the guys in charge don't really have much that they can do to speed things up. But that part of it was a little annoying. But then also, I don't know, like Dom said, it was a little bit of a rush. You know, it was like, uh, I don't know, I, I watched uh, Cocaine Bear on my flight the other day. And I was like, you know, holy shit, this feels like Cocaine Bear uh, in real life, like just reacting to everything. And like, it's frantic. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, uh, you know, this guy who's one for four with an RBI, do I keep him in or is that worth it? And like trying to do the math in the background to figure out if it's even going to, going to work. And so, I, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh, well, the guilds had something out there. It was like, 
we should do this, uh, you know, like once a year, uh, every week, just, you know, <laughs> just for the rush, right? Just make leagues that, uh, you know, going in that you're going to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, for that one time thing, it was fun to do, but let's like pay up for a better server or something and not have that happen in the future. That'd be great. Yeah, 100%. I don't think, you know, um, obviously that's what kind of gets lost in it because we're all so upset. And so, like you said, we had to stay, you know, locked in to 8, 9 o'clock to any little thing that was happening. If you wanted to maximize. At, at some point, I stopped. And I just, like, I am going to walk away. I went I went for a walk. You know, I was like, there's no way. I, I was glued in enough and... I totally agree with the communication thing. It should have been out there. There should have been some level of talk. There was, that was disappointing. Um, but unfortunately, kind of, you know, something that we've kind of come to expect, you know, but um, it, it it is what it is, you know, um, in terms of how it was done. Yeah, I get what people think. They could have extended it till Tuesday. I, I hear that. Um the one I didn't agree with, like, nothing for that first game. Because there are literally people who did not, you know, there's people who have three, four teams. And maybe they don't set their lineups until as close as they can do it. Or they get out of work and they do it. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. You don't know everyone's situation. I just think it would have been worse for the new, like, new players or, uh, you know, casual NFPC guys like who, who only do a team and, don't play as many leagues as us or as high stakes as us. And we'll be like, I don't need to come to this site anymore. Like we're going to come back. Yeah. You know that. And they know that Like we're going to come back. It's the best place. It's still the best place to play. So that's not, that doesn't change that. But, um, so for us, I think it's, I think a kind of, um, maybe satisfied that, that group that just plays casually or the new people, right. It's, um, it's like, ah, fuck these people. Like, I can't change my lineup. I, what do you mean? What happened? You know, how about, how can I not change my lineup? <laughs> it's like, I didn't change it yet. Um, and it yeah, just, it just felt like it, it was, it was like, I, I feel like, you know, and not to be critical, it just felt like a half, a very awkward half measure to take, like to say nine o'clock when it was, you know, well, the the email said 8 p.m., but then the body of the email said 9 p.m. So it was like it wasn't clear from the email that was sent. Half the people said they didn't even see the email. And then why is it 9 o'clock when, like, that that would only allow you the ability to make retroactive changes for, like, half of the games? So, like, why do teams that have a heavy, you know, West Coast lean – not get the advantage of teams that have a lot of players on the East Coast and you get the visibility to like half that lineup. So like I, I think it would be smart going forward if they put like something in like the rules and regulations that said like if on a lineup lock day we have a server issue exceeding you know 90 minutes um, that it's a free look day and roster you know lineups will lock at the beginning of games the next day. Um, I think like that would just make sense because then it's out there and it's just understood how server issues are going to be handled going forward. And everyone just knows up front and there's not, they're not tethered to their phone. They're not tethered to their computer. They're not, you know, like there's people that play in Europe that like, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, the 9 PM would 
do nothing for them because that's like whatever two or three a.m. Um, their time. So it's like I just think like it probably going forward, it's like best to take notice of this and just put something in place going forward to say this is how we handle this n- next time. Yeah, and I, so not to like drag it out, but I know all of us have played in enough fantasy leagues at this point to know that the worst thing that can possibly happen is like some minutia that's not written in the rules or whatever. And then somebody feels slighted about, you know, that contingency not being covered. And so just have something written down. I think we'd all be understanding and be like, you know what? Like, those are the rules. We agreed to play by these rules. I'm cool with it. But to just have uncertainty about it is the part that's really frustrating, right? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Great, great point. Uh, but it doesn't take much to the, all the things we're mentioning, just the communication aspect of it. It, it could definitely be um, streamlined a little better. So, uh, man, a lot of other stuff happened in baseball. We're not going to get into some of the legal stuff that's happening with some ball players. We're going to get right into some fantasy stuff. We got Todd on here, so we're going to Get a, get a little bit to know about you, Todd, first, and then we'll get into our usual fab discussion, talk about our moves this week and your general strategies. But, um, yeah, let's get yeah. it. What's uh, good? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Todd, um, why don't you, like, give your – I think I like to hear everyone's, like, fantasy baseball backstory. So, like, you know, how did you – how did you get into fantasy baseball? Um, how long have you been playing? Um, do you – are you just a baseball guy? Do you do – football basketball hockey all the other stuff too like what uh yeah give us a little backstory on you yeah you know i mean i'll be honest like as a kid i was not a baseball guy at all like i probably i kind of actively hated baseball it was a thing (laughs) where i was like i grew up in oklahoma i was a soccer player at the time and like i i took a lot of shit from guys especially on the baseball team about soccer and you know, at one point had like a little league coach who told me, like called me a commie and was like, get off our baseball field. Wow. <laughs> I was like, man, screw this sport. I, I hate this. But uh, now when I was in college, actually, my college roommate, um, we played in a fancy football league together for a couple of years. And he was like, man, I, I got this fancy baseball league. I think you'd really like it. I think you'd be into it. Like you seem to be into this kind of stuff and i was like yeah sure whatever like i'll i'll give it a shot he had uh a bunch of guys that he played high school baseball with that uh they had started a fancy baseball league and i hopped into that and i was like oh man my mind was blown it was like i'd played fantasy football up to that point and then i I got a hold of fantasy baseball and i was like there's games every day there's like how many there's 10 times more players there's like all of this data and minutia that I can dive into. I was like, man, I I was hooked. And so I played with those guys for a while and then was like, uh, I I started in grad school down in Austin, Texas, and was looking for something else, like a little more serious. And I got into a league that was like a 20 team dynasty league. And it was great because it was the kind of thing that like I, you know, at the time I didn't have any kids. Uh, I wasn't married. I spent a bunch of time in the lab just like waiting for uh dumb experiments to finish and had a bunch of free time right just sitting in front of a computer and so i was like you know let's let's go let's do this and so you know the you know the you guys know like you can uh spend hours down some wormhole of you know some dynasty league 
guy mm-hmm. that you're interested in picking up or trading for or whatever. And, and so I wasted all kinds of hours doing that and, and played in that league for uh, like, we're still going. So it's going on, uh, I don't know, 16 years now that nice. we've been playing together. So uh, I mean, that's, that's, that was kind of my introduction and in the part where I like really got into it. And then I think like probably around, it must've been around 2017 or so. I'm pretty sure it was Rob Silver that I heard on a podcast talking about the NFBC thing. And I was like, man, I don't know. This sounds like the kind of thing that I could get into. Like I should sort of dip my toe in. And so I think it was, it was 2018 that I just hopped into one of the NFBC fifties at the time. Right. And did, did one of those, it was the 12 team fifties. Uh, it was like a four hour draft and uh, I don't, I, got super lucky that was the year that miguel andahar the one year that he went absolutely nuts <laughs> and he was yeah. whatever 30th round pick yeah. and he uh, he carried me to the title in that league and from then on i was like man I, this is awesome i i gotta do this every year so like the next year i played in six of the dcs and i won one of those leagues and then the next year i signed up for 12 of them and was like this is uh, I'm into it. So, you know, I don't, that was like right into the sort of COVID shortened season. And that was one where kind of at the last minute they had the sprint main event, right. For the short season. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't have anything better to do with my time right now. Like that was, uh, you know, kind of a bummer of a time for everybody. So I hopped into a sprint main event, like at the last second, and I, I ended up winning that league and I don't know exactly, like I, I got lucky. I got, you know, some, some timely pickups and stuff like that. But then I was like, all right, you know, the fab leagues, I got to at least do a fab league every year. So since then I've played in sort of two main events every year. And then I try to do around 15 of the DCs every year and it sort of scratches the itch in the off season. And so I can just, play fantasy baseball and that's basically it i don't i don't mess around with anything else nice i yeah, love it I, yeah it's a, a very similar uh at least portfolio to me like i had i think eight main or eight dcs this year and then the two mains um and then yeah i just draft all winter and gets me through cold shitty weather uh, I wrote down a couple of things. Uh, you said lab. What do you what What kind of lab? What What lab are you in? So uh, when I was in grad school, I worked in a lab where what we did was we used lasers to uh, basically pattern these different features out of little protein structures, and it was like custom patterning like you know whatever you want to do right you you draw it up in CAD and you draw these little things up and they were basically like nano structures and then we started to implement that into studying like different types of cancer cells and so it would be you know various types of uh cancer migration uh studies and um you know proliferation and those types of things and and it was uh, you know, the basic idea was to sort of figure out understanding of, of how these things behave um, and give it a give uh, people like biologists who are actually directly studying these things a tool to, to study 
on a sort of individual cell level how these things behave. So that was that was what the lab that I worked in did, um, and where I was at from 2007 to 2013. Sweet. So what do you do for a living? So now I live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I work okay. for I work for Intel, the computer chip company. Okay. Um, and we use lasers in just a different way. So That's it's cool. uh, basically pattern computer chips, um, and you know, computer chips are everywhere in everything. So there's a lot of them to make. That's fantastic. That's very. Uh, it's cool to know, man. I like that. Very awesome. Um, Another thing too, that explains the dynasty stuff. Explains your your um, you always got some great picks later on in DC. I feel like you're that 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 are geared toward the younger guys. So I guess that comes just from a, you know having that knowledge already built in. And I think that is um, a definite feature of playing dynasty leagues, and it helps in draft champions so much. Oh, for sure, man. And even even in fab, I feel like I sometimes pick guys up in a 15-team fab league where I'm like, this guy probably shouldn't be owned in like a 25-team fab league. <laughs> 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 but I'm kind of interested, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that because um, that's really cool. So you jumped right into the NBC. You had success right off the bat. Like you said, you came in first, and you also won your first main event right um in the short season and then the next season too you won another main event league so um which which format of yours is the best in the nfpc like is your favorite a play is it the dc or is it the main uh it's the dcs i think yeah, i right? i really enjoy the dcs those are, those yeah. are a lot of fun it's just the only problem with them is obviously in season like you know i don't mind setting lineups that much but i i really enjoy the fab part of it you know, and being able to sort of think all week about, all right, you know, what, <laughs> who am I going to target, right? Like what, you know, what, which one of these bums, which one of these platoon outfielders do I really want on my team, right? Like there's no, there's no rush better than that other than I guess the free look. Uh, and so, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I enjoy that. I, I don't think I could enjoy 12 team fab leagues as much maybe just because it's, you know, it's not as deep and it's a little bit more about, you know, trying to hit on some of the upside and that type of stuff. I, I enjoy the, like digging through the mud, uh, you know, on those types of guys. So nice. It's so much fun. It's so yeah. much fun. And like you mentioned, you like, which, which one of these duds do I want to add? Um, sometimes we walk away, right. With that feeling. I know I do. I was like, yeah. I see my results. I look at them. I put it in my sheet and I look at them and I said, this is what I spent all the time for. Yep, to get $7 combined of, of Dylan Moore and some other Mo. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so like God bless Rob Silver for wanting to have a way to quantify like fab value or whatever. But man, good luck in a 15 team league. Like use projections and figure out which one of these guys who's projected to hit 207 with like three home runs and six deals. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, so talk, like talk us through your, since we're talking about fab, cause I agree. Like I, I, and I think I've said this to Rob, like I think the DC like just format is like the, the best fantasy format, but yeah, there, there is something, 
an itch to scratch about like how to make your team better because you know dc's your team is what your team is so like throughout the season being able to take advantage of you know changes in player valuation or player playing time and things like that i think you know have drawn me to um try to increase my fab leagues i've been avoiding it over the last couple of years but you know through this pod and through kind of you know writing the article and looking through everyone's moves um you know i think it's i'm obviously i think getting a little better in fab which is good for me um but uh like what it what is your typical fab process like what tools obviously you know you're you're part of the meatball mafia but like um what uh you know just talk us through your normal fab process what do you do what do you use what do you look at yeah, I mean, I, I think it's similar to what a lot of people do. I don't, like Monday through Friday, it's mostly a guy pops up that I think is kind of interesting, and I'll just add him to the queue. And I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to at least put him there so his name's there like right in front of me, and I look at it, and I can rethink it. You know, sometimes by Sunday I look, and I'm like, why did I, why is that guy on there? Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yep. Uh, but you know, you, you, you add them on there. And then usually on like Friday nights is when I'll start to really dig into it. That's when my kids have their movie night. And so they'll sit down in front of a Disney movie and I'll start cranking it out. Right. And just write out my entire lineup basically and try to figure out, all right, what's the schedule look like? What's the, what do the matchups look like? What, how have they done this week? And try to figure out, you know, which of, which of them looks good for, for being in my lineup and which ones I need to replace, like where's, where's the spots I need to address. And then from there, you know, it's like, usually, you know, I'm on the West coast. So when I would get up on Saturday mornings, usually what I'll do is like, just go through each team and kind of look at the lineups. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that rotowire tool has made it a lot easier to look at guys who are like moving up the lineup or having changes in playing time or whatever. You can kind of look and you can get a better sense of, you know, even if a guy's not hitting, is he like, is the manager playing him every day? Is he moving him up the lineup? Or, like, is that, you know, what does that mean? And, and those are the types of guys that I'll start to kind of put on my watch list and be like, all right, this is, you know, this is kind of interesting. And then, you know, from there, it's like, all right, let's figure out, you know, which one of these guys I want to go after and prioritize. And then on Sunday, it's like, all right, just, like react to whatever news comes out, right? And try not to to panic on anything. A lot of times it's like, you know, people talk about the Sunday tax or whatever for guys. Mm. And I think, I don't know, I, I feel like that's been a little bit misconstrued in terms of, you know, if one of the guys I like hits a bomb, it's not so much that I am more interested in him because of that. It A lot of times it's like, all right, I trust that the manager's going to keep playing him. You but, know? Yeah. Like, yes, good point. If, if it's a guy that I'm streaming next week, there's no guarantee that he's going to be in the lineup on Monday and that I picked up a dud and I got to bench him for you know somebody else. So sometimes when that happens, I'll just bump a guy up a little bit and be like, all right, I, I got to get this guy. But, you know, I, you know, as you guys know, like it's, it's, throughout the week just looking at your team and being like all right what do i what do i need what guys look kind of interesting who do i want to add and then i don't know i like it's probably too much but i always have 
strings that are like 25 guys long, like just, you know, whatever, like I'll add any of these guys to drop, you know, a certain player on my team. So I feel like if anything, uh, uh, it's not always useful, but I, if I want to drop a guy, I feel like I'm pretty successful in dropping him. Like I'll find somebody that I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, sorry. Did you mention the, the, uh, pl- the playing time change tool or the batting order change tool? Which one did you mention? I think both of them are both of them are good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use both. What do you like to uh, state the uh, games to compare it to? Because I'm always switching it. Because you know, I was like, do you like a three game sample? Do you like a ten game sample? Because sometimes you know, I'm nah, I'm looking shorter. at this stuff every day. Shorter, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. shorter. Yeah, it's gotta you gotta be react. Yeah. You gotta react quick, right? Like, there's not, there's not. It's be like people are too sharp now, right? There's no like waiting around another week to be like, yeah. oh, this guy, all right, I, I definitely want to pick him up now. Next week, he's a $50 pickup. So you got to jump now or you missed your chance, right? So it's got to be like small sample size. Small right, sample, yep. yeah. Yeah, because like uh, half half of you want to believe, oh, you know, I'd like to see it more because I believe it more. Like you said, uh, there's people who are jumping on it in two or three games. It's It's such a... It's become, like you said, everyone is so sharp, and it it, it becomes one of those games. It kind of leads into what I uh, a question of like when do you start believing in a player? Like when you start feeling confident on, you know, this pitcher, you know, added this pitch, you know, and I'm more interested in him. This guy is batting, you know, versus righties now where he hasn't, but it was only two games, and and those are the things too you could really miss, um, you know, like the. And that's why I think the um, the Fangraphs lineup tracker is so well because you could see down the line why maybe a guy hopped in the lineup. Was it because a guy went on the IL? Was it someone went on paternity leave? And you can miss those things in the news. So when you look at that and you say, oh, this guy's playing versus varieties now, if you don't just do that extra little like look down and see why right that happened, then it could be huge. But when do you guys like really trust the player? I think it's different for pitchers versus hitters, right? So I'll jump like right away on the hitter if I see something interesting there. The pitchers, I feel like I've sort of learned a lesson on a lot of guys, and some of it is some of it has to do with how like how I run my bench. But you know, I in the past would be like, all right, there's something interesting, some interesting tweak that this pitcher made, right? And uh, like one example would be. Taylor Hearn when he first came up and I was like, okay, this like, I see something interesting here. You know, like he's showed some flashes. I like him, but you pick a guy like that up and you put yourself in a spot. I, I often put myself in a spot where, all right, I got to shove him in the lineup right away. Like I don't have any other options. Right. And I'm not flexible. And in a bunch of those spots, I I feel like I've been burned so many times that with, Mm. you know, with the pitchers, especially it's gotta be like, it's gotta be a guy that I, really feel confident that there's something there you know and a lot of times it's a guy that i'm probably gonna have to spend a little bit up on to get in because other people see it too right it's not a small change it's a it's a pretty huge change Mm -hmm. uh with the hitters you know a lot of times it's like i i don't know i i feel like you can grab a guy and 
you at least see the lineups on Monday. He's not in the lineup, and you're if you if you got enough guys on your bench, then you sort of swap them out. You have enough flexibility, build that in, and then be like, all right, well, I missed, like I whiffed, it's a dud. I'll drop it next week, that kind of thing. I feel like you have a little bit more flexibility with the hitters, with the with the pitchers. Like I said, I'm like super cautious. I don't trust any of these pitchers at all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't trust I, any of these pitchers I, at all. Great. I agree though. Like I, I was thinking about that. Like um, even with like Mats, I picked him up in both my mains a couple weeks ago. But like I, I had to see it for a couple starts on my bench before I felt confident in doing it. Like Zach Latell a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. I, I was interested. But then I was like, but I'm not, I'm not like stardom interested. I'm like get him on my bench and see if it materializes into anything interested and and i agree with that like that's kind of how i run my team too it's just i want to have enough pitching depth that i can add to it and and like you know if i need it i have it there for me but um it's it's really it's really dire straits if i'm picking somebody right up right off the waiver wire to throw them into my into my starting lineup so um but um (laughs) A little thing I wanted to say real quick and, and, and something to – and because I, I was guilty of doing this on, on one of my teams this year, um, is when you're doing well in a category. It's like I'm doing well – I was doing well in pitching on one of my teams. And um, most of that, I wasn't really using more than 10, like 10 pitches consistently. And it was one guy who was just on the team, I think – at one point, it was even maybe Mikolas, who was just not be like, I love him and I love him as an option every week, but just wasn't even being used. But I negated my mind from going to trying to improve pitching because I was doing well, quote unquote, in pitching. Yeah. And at some point, I said, Man, look at all these pitches I could have just picked up. And my brain just wasn't on that level. Um, it was part of the of the decision process, but I didn't think enough um, about adding more, even while I had whatever sixty eight pitching points, you know, uh, because I just feel like I could have had better options down the stretch than yeah. now. I'm kind of looking at the wire a little bit, you know, because maybe I have to look at a specific category, or whatever. And I'm just like, mm, you know. And, and that's just part of the fab process, right? Like you said, it's like, uh, do I want Brenton Doyle in Colorado for six games or do I want to, you know, add this possible pitcher? You know, do I want to add Brendan Williamson because I like what he's doing and but am I not going to start him half the time when he's pitching at home? All these things, um, all part of the thing. But I just say, you know, just make sure you're analyzing your roster completely and just don't pass it the chance of adding a guy like Cole Raggins if you really like him or, you know, another pitcher that, uh, you know, that can that or, or Silseth, right. Um, just someone like on those levels where you see that they're really good pitchers that can add to your team, but you're nah, I'm good. I don't need those pitching points right now. I, I need to chase homers, but at some point, it would be good that I, I would have been better off. I just even added one better pitcher uh, to that fold just to have some better options at this point of the year. I'm living through that this weekend, so that's why I, it's fresh off my mind. I think uh, I think a few people are, and that's the, the limitation of seven bench spots, right? You can only do so yeah. much to you know improve your team via the bench where you know um, you're just kind of limited, so – 
it's uh it's totally understandable but um i am i am jealous of you todd like when you talk through your process being on the west coast i'm like damn mm. like uh, you know as a dad and like i, I kind of do the same thing you do in terms of the friday and saturday nights but I'm like, yeah, if I could, instead of being up till three on Saturday night looking through <laughs> shit, if I could be up till midnight, that would be a lot, a lot better. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I think, I think that is like a nice little advantage being on the West Coast, though, just being able to have all, all the games done before you even start digging into stuff like Saturday night and Friday night, so. Yeah, it's, it's it's awesome most of the time, except for when Fab runs at On seven, Sunday. and I'm trying to yeah. put my daughter uh, totally. into yeah. the bath, and I'm looking at my phone like, oh, what am I yep. like? What am I missing here? Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I think that would be too much of a panic. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's hectic. Um, yeah. They, yeah, the whole time zone thing is so is so great to hear the conversations that people have about. Uh, especially the slow draft that we'll do right in draft champion season. At a certain point, we got enough East Coasters and West Coasters that affect the whole flow of the draft. Mm-hmm. Especially if like, oh, all these West guys are on the back end and you got to wait all day for them to make a pick. And then by the time we got to pick, we're all sleeping. <laughs> it's like it's a, the flow gets messed up really bad. Because uh, I noticed that. I was like, man, I don't know if you guys ever said in your head, man, this slow draft is gotta be the slowest slow draft i ever played in and before i started digging in and looking i was like oh these four guys it started hitting me instead of complaining about it oh these four guys are on the west coast and they're not making you know by the time they're getting one in we're going to bed and then it's just the next day same thing we'll make two picks we'll hammer out two picks and then they might even pick until the next day. It's just really shot like that. But before well, you we get, get the, to... you get like the golden hour between whatever yes. six p.m. and seven p.m. where I'm at, where everybody's awake and checking their phones, and then it's like boom, right. boom, 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 boom. Yep. Just knock them out then. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. So before we get into fab talk, I wanted to ask you guys: Do you, I know you know it's good money in these leagues, and we, you know we can bring home some good chunk of change. But do you play to win that money, or do you play just so people? For like the glory, or just for you know, just to have people know that you're good at this game. Anyone you guys can go first. You can go, go down. Right <laughs> <laughs> I uh, want to hear what this meatball uh, says first. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, if it's if it's about the ROI, then the hours I spend on this are probably not worth it. Um, mm, good point. Uh, but I don't know. It's fun. Like I. I don't know. It's maybe it's my personality or whatever. Like I, I got to be doing something or thinking about something, right? Like you know, my it, it honestly like a hundred percent true that I will fall asleep like thinking about some dumb fantasy baseball thing, and it's <laughs> you know like it puts my mind at ease, right? I'm like I'm thinking, it, and it's trivial in the end, but it's the kind of thing that's just sort of like a zen thing for me, and. I don't know. Like, I don't, uh, I don't have any aspirations of becoming famous as a fantasy baseball player. Uh, but it's been nice to have some camaraderie, you know, and like just meeting people and talking to people and, uh, you know, sending DMS to somebody that, you know, has a guy and you're like, boom, like home Mm -hmm. run, you know, or like 10 strikeout game. And you, you know, you just talk to those people and you sort of, you can either commiserate about 
a crappy outing that your pitcher had or something awesome that happened. That part of it is, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's rewarding in its own way, but I, uh, I don't know. I think I've counted it all up, like what I've put into NFBC and what I've gotten out and I'm in the green, but like I said, per hour I spent working on it probably wasn't worth it, but it's, it's worth it in other ways. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it's true. Especially if you like trace it back to, um, you know, if you could actually put math on it and say, oh, this is what I, you know, this is what I earn per hour at, at like where I work. And like you said, the time you put into it, if you really did the math, we'll probably pull back and be like, man, this is, but it, it's, it's, there's so much, like you said, there's so much in between that adds up to such a good experience about it that it's just whatever. As long as you're in the green, you know, that's the thing. Just be in the green because yeah. we're, we're not right all the time. So just to be in the green is, you know, is, is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, if you're doing it to like, you know, have this big ROI because you think, you know, you're, you have an edge over everyone else that's playing it. I think you're mistaken between, you know, the rake that NFBC takes, which, you know, they, they more than deserve. And then the rake that goes, just to the overall it's it's tough to like make a ton of money unless you're one of the handful of people that wins these overall competitions so um it's definitely not a return on investment aspect of it i think you know we've made enough friends that you're just trying to you know prove your worth and and you know i've been playing fantasy baseball for 25 years now so like it's my hobby. And so kind of like what Todd said, like, um, you know, I, I came to NFBC cause I wanted some stiffer competition and, um, you know, playing with people that took it as seriously as I did in like my home leagues and stuff like that. So, um, it's definitely, I guess the glory of it. I mean, I think it's just the competitive nature of, of like, you know, I want to win whatever league I'm in. So now it's NFBC. It's not like for, um, you know, notoriety or anything like that. It's just like, this is my hobby and I want to win. And, you know, I think there's much worse ways that I could be spending my money and time. So it's a hobby. And I, I do the same thing you do, Todd, where I'm like, uh, like at night, like to go to bed, I'll just like think about like, you know, this team or this lineup or whatever. And it's just like, once my head mm-hmm. hits a pillow, I'm out. So it's, uh, it's funny that, you know, uh, that's the thing. It's a lot of us are all like-minded. We all, you know, view this stuff the same way. We, we all obsess about it in similar manners. So mm-hmm. it's funny to hear you say that though. I think too, like one of my favorite things about the NFBC is the historical stuff, right. And being able to see how well, you play versus other players and um, I'd be, you know, lying if I said you don't go to that career earnings page or someone's historical page and you see all these, you know, and you figure out, wow, this guy, you know, catches 70% of this league. That's, I just remember when I first started getting into interviewing, you know, successful players. And that was the first time it really opened up my eyes. Like just going to the leaderboard of the recent years. And I think, Weimer was one of the first guys I landed on. Just wow. I just went to this guy's page and I was like, this is sick. <laughs> you see all these, not even 
I think a good measurement too is not even seeing all the one, twos, and threes, but not seeing you know like twelve, single, thirteen. Yeah, yeah, no double digits at all. Yeah, no double digits. It's like wow. Never. But you know, I'd be lying if it said like that is pretty cool. Like there's there's an actual thing you can look at and say, man, it would be cool. And I people was like, oh, it's fantasy baseball. Who cares? It's stupid. But this is what we enjoy, right? And just to have this ranking here, this 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 career earnings, and not only that too, it's like, man, like pretty cool. It's just there's a list right there in front of you of something to shoot for and be. Um, you know, a part of, and I think that's really um, a push to you know do well too, because that whole thing is is so rewarding. I think if you if you happen to play well and you can move yourself up, that it's it's cool, especially going to the live draft too and seeing the whole um, Hall of Fame introductions and just seeing everybody up there on the stage. It's, I don't know. I had a pretty cool experience um, watching that and and seeing, um, you know, you get your little shining moment. And like I said, in this little funny game we like to play, it's uh, it's cool. It's I think it's a big part of it for me. And if there's if there's one thing that us fantasy baseball players like, it's lists and historical data. Yes, and exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's hundred percent. Totally, totally. All right, let's hit some of the fab stuff for this weekend, and also um, talking about you know um, some deeper level data stuff for fab on the season. Yeah, yeah. So Todd, I was looking, um, I was looking through actually like all three of our ads and, and for throughout the year. So it's funny we're we're in a all pretty similar spot in terms of how much we've spent. Um, but the thing that I noticed compared to your fab versus me and Rob is that you seem to be like very active on a weekly basis where it's like, you're pretty much across your two main events. Um, you're making like another, an extra ad than like I've been making and that Rob's been making in one of his mains. So you, you've made 75 and 72 pickups across your two main events. I've made 58 in both of my main events. Rob's made 58 in one and 38 in the other. 38 is um, crazy. That just like boggled my mind. I mean, that I, I actually I follow it and I look at it too and I and I log it. But when I saw that number and I saw Todd d- d- doubled me literally on, on one team, I said, whoa, that's so interesting. Because again, it's again, we'll go back to tracking the data and be able to look at this stuff. It's so cool to see how two, two different people might play. Hundred percent. Like, and and that's I, I was thinking that too, Rob. Because you know, you and I talk. We do this every week, and I feel like between you and me, like you're you're making the one dollar, especially early in the season. You were making the one dollar pickups to stream guy for the next week or two, like the Mike Ford pickup and stuff like that. And I think, you know, early in the season, I was telling you, like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really, I haven't really been doing that. I've been trying to get more like impactful bats for the rest of the season. Like, if I see a guy that. I think it's playing every day. I'll pay like 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks for them. Whereas you're making those $1 pickups for the week or two at a time. So the fact that I, that you only made 38 in one of your mains, I was like, that can't be right. Like, I was like, did I, was I filtering this right? But um, yeah, that, yeah. that was, that kind of caught me by choice. But then if you look at the at bat and innings numbers, cause I, I thought, you know, let me pull that in on these teams also, you know, Rob's team, 
amongst our six main event teams, the team that Rob has that only has made 38 <laughs> pickups has the most at-bats of any of our six teams. Um, and he's got the, like, third most innings. So, um, yeah, so so you seem to be, like, heavy volume and, and kind of, like, a typical, I would say, like, you know, churning the end of your roster. So is that by design or is that just by circumstance? Like, did you have a lot of injuries? Did you have kind of just, uh, you know, poor performers that you're just constantly trying to turn the bottom of your roster to find, um, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, part of it was – so part of it was by design. Like, in the past – a uh, couple of years I've had a lot of success with those guys uh, like those $1 guys who turned into guys that I kept all year. Right. Last year, Brandon Drury was a guy that I picked up early who I think was like a $3 pickup who mm-hmm. I kept all year. And so, you know, I, I felt confident, probably overconfident in my ability to, to identify those guys early on. And so, you know, one of the things I'll do in the draft is kind of design my team such that I have certain spots that I know that I, that I think that are high probability of being drops, right? So using kind of the value of that roster spot to be able to have a, a position that I think I can churn through and sort of find, you know, like I said earlier, like dig through the mud, you know, like find some sort of gold in there somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. The other part of it ended up being that, you know, honestly, like my drafting of bats this year kind of sucked. Right. And so I needed to, to try to churn through guys. And it was part of it was, you know, again, by design, I thought, uh, coming into the season that I would have, you know, uh, a very stable base of pitchers up top that I drafted, but then that my bench would probably be something like five hitters, two pitchers, something like that. And then I thought, um, you know, a little bit based on kind of how things went last year was like, all right, in fab, I'll, I'll try to figure out, you know, who is this year's George Kirby? Who's the Manoa this year. Right. And I will put aside 300 bucks and I'm going to throw it at that guy. And, you know, it's going to be a thing where I, I'm not trying to stream through pitchers on my bench or off the wire, but where I'll just throw cash at it, right? And try to try to trust that I can find that guy. And I mean, I did that and I think it turned out fine. Like it wasn't like I, I got Bryce Miller and Taj Bradley in the two yeah. different leagues and they were, they were okay, right? Like it wasn't a huge deal. But then the other part, of, the other side of that coin was, all right, now if I'm going to do that, then I got to figure out you know, who's the guy, you know, who's this year's Brandon Drury, right? And cycle through those guys and figure out, you know, the other, the other part of the hitting strategy was, you know, figure out who's, who's Michael Harris this year, right? Who's Taylor Mm -hmm. Ward and those guys that you can spend whatever it is, 50, 60, 70 bucks on, right. And, and sort of add to the hitting. So, you know, uh, part of the problem ended up being that I, I was so far behind the eight ball on hitting that I needed to just kind of churn through guys. And I was trying not to, uh, you know, I, I wanted to maximize at bats, but I was really trying to find guys that I could keep the rest of the year uh, and sort of balance, find the balance there. 
And, uh, you know, in the end, it's just been a constant churn kind of all year long, right? I, you know, at one point, I, you, you sort of look at your lineup and you're like, man, all of these guys are platoon hitters, like yeah. every single one of them. And they face, they all face a lefty in the scoring period. So I got to figure out which of these platoon headers I'm going to play. Or, you know, I, you, so you start to target the guys who are playing every day. And then you look at your lineup and you're like, oh, man, I got all nine hitters. I got like, Alex call in my lineup and I got Michael A. Taylor and I got Trent Grisham. And I'm like, they're all nine hitters. Like this is not uh, maximizing at bats either. So that, that part of it was, I don't know, I brought probably an adjustment I need to make for next year. But, you know, one of the things I was kind of looking at today, cause I was like, man, what, like, where have these guys been? Where, like, what, what are the guys that I should have picked up? Right. And I was sort of looking through the, the Rasball, just the Rasball player Raider, right. To figure out, okay, Last year, so there were four players that were drafted in less than 10% of the main event leagues that finished in the top 60 hitters, so like top 100 overall. Okay. So I I named a couple of them, right? Michael Harris, Brandon Drury, Taylor Ward, Dairo Estrada. All of those guys were drafted in basically either zero leagues or like one or two leagues, right? This year... You want to guess how many there have been that are in the top 60 hitters that were drafted fewer than 10% of the leagues? I would get, I mean, really? Not even like, uh, not even like a Duran, huh? Zero. Duran, coming into today, Duran was 79th. Okay. And then I'm guessing after today, it'll probably be McLean because he was 87th coming into today and then he had a big night tonight. So that's probably the guy. Wow. And that's the guy that I look back on and I wish I'd spent up on. But yep. I mean, there is, it's like just bone dry, you know, the top 75 hitters, they all were at least, you know, sort of reserve round picks and guys that you had to hit on. So you couldn't really fab any of those guys. And I, I've really felt it this year, like just trying to fab them and, and just whiffing on a bunch of guys. Wow. None. <clears throat> Nothing insane. Uh, it's been, been so tough this year trying to um decide like which platoon player is better than the other <laughs> on some teams you know? yeah yeah so you know and i you know obviously i i strictly looked at just your um your fab activity i didn't want to look at your roster i didn't want to look and see how anything was because i i wanted to focus it on fab and i felt like we could get into your roster as asking the question so like um you know in looking at the number of at-bats because i felt the same way and i've said this to rob too it's like uh, it feels like there's so few everyday hitters that like even when you're fabbing bats like you have you know if it's a if it's a three-game week monday to thursday and they have a lefty on the on the schedule like that fab hitter becomes like a two-start guy and even still like even if they are facing three righties, you still feel you still sometimes end up get, seeing that lefty like get the day off just because they want to get you know righty bat from the bench into the game. So like, um, given how much churning you've been doing, and like you look at like your at bat total, like do you are you know and and I and you alluded to it that you're gonna have to revisit like do you are you gonna change that strategy going forward? You think in terms of like needing to prioritize what you perceive to be like everyday guys that you can just plug into your lineup and not worry about next year. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And also like not, you know, because part of the part of my thought process coming into the year in terms of like streaming hitters off my bench was also like, all right, let's grab some guys on the Rockies, right? Yeah, and obviously that offense has been mm-hmm. terrible, <laughs> like even at home. And also like, you know, who's been valuable there? Like McMahon's been decent, but then, you know, I, you know, I figure, all right, grab Profar at 250 and then just play him at home. Well, then in the end, it's like you've ended up with a 240 hitter who's uh, got like five home runs and a steal, right? So I think, you know, I don't know. It's really tough because I have been in leagues with Weimer before where I've seen him just grind everybody else to dust. <laughs> that, right? He just absolutely like cranks it out every single week. And it's not as simple as trying to copy that, you know, and just be like, all right, well, I'm just going to like throw it all at the wall and get all uh, seven game weeks in the lineup anymore, because I think you have to do a little bit more of a thought process on like, all right, what guys, what types of players are going to play every day? Where are they going to bat in the lineup? Right. And, you know, what's their path to moving up the lineup? What's their path to playing every day? Those, those types of things. And you know, if I if I did it over again this year, I actually think I I would have probably like taken another hitter in the first ten rounds and just bailed on one of the pitchers that I took, right? Because in the end, it was just probably too much of a pitching base. Even though, you know, I know you you're sacrificing, you know, from one column or the other, right? There's it's always a give and take, but that's something that I think I'm gonna have to think about going into next year is how do I how do I get those guys and feel confident coming into the season that they're they're everyday players got it yeah and and you know you mentioned like the fact that you that was part of your plan was to put away like 300 bucks for like a big pitching target and you referenced the fact that you went after Miller and Taj early on which you know I I noted there but then you did make some uh, at least Again, when I was just looking at your pickups throughout the year, I got the impression that not only were you churning those $1 bats for, you know, weekly streams, but it all, I also got the impression you were chasing speed and chasing saves on the wire throughout the season across your your mains. Is that kind of accurate? Because I'm in that same boat, at least in one of my teams. I've just been – so I, I noticed, like, a lot of the same pickups you you were making I've been on, so I'm like – yeah, I think this guy must be in the same boat as me in terms of like, you know, Justin Lawrence. You picked him up in both your mains. Um, so you made a nice Craig Kimbrell pickup back in, I think, May. Um, and then I saw you dropped a big $133 bid a couple of weeks ago on, on Estuary Ruiz. So um, is that is that kind of where, where you've been focusing a lot of your fab capital the last couple months on? Yeah, I mean, the saves thing was, it's like, it, it, that's the one category where it becomes super obvious early on that mm-hmm. you you got to go after it, right? And I, like, I told myself I wasn't going to do this, and then I ended up doing it anyways because <laughs> I was an idiot. I took Clay Holmes on both of the teams, right? Because I, I thought, Clay Holmes, like, this is insane that he's going in the sixth round. Yeah. Like he's going to be the Yankees closer. I feel confident about this. Like it's a really good pick and I did it. And then, you know, he spit the bit a couple of times early on and they started going to other guys. And then he was like working leverage. And I was like, Oh man, this is a disaster. Like I'm falling behind. Like this is the one category where I don't feel like I can fall behind. 
And so I thought, you know, initially I'd planned on, all right, like later in the season, all-star break or whatever, I'll throw 50 bucks at a closer that I think that I feel confident in. And it just got to the point where I was like, all right, you know, I gotta, I gotta go harder after this. And the Kimbrel drop was like right after he got blown up by the Dodgers, yeah. right? Guy dropped him, which I was that makes no was that sense. Bob? Because uh, I know Bob. Uh, okay, I know, else. I know there was like that week right after that Dodger blow up. Um, like there's two drops of Kimbrel. Uh, I know Bob cut him for, for like Ben Joyce, and then there was one other. So and I and I remember saying to Rob on this pod, I was like. I have no real concerns with Kimbrel outside of that that Dodger series. He'd been he looked really good. Um, yeah. So to take advantage of that, so that's like a godsend for somebody that needed saves. But sorry, are you talking about are you talking about Bob Wiley? N- no, I was talking about Big Bucks Bob. I know who's Bob Wiley. Anyone want to take a guess? Bob Wiley, Doctor Leo Marvin. What about Bob? I've never seen What About Bob? Was it a show or a movie? Oh, come on. Was that a show or a movie? You, you, you don't know it either, Todd? I got homework. Do you know it? What about Bob? Bill Murray? Man. I, I told you a couple of times right here, Rob. I'm not a big movie guy. All right. All right. Fine. All right. Move on, move on. Don't worry about me. <laughs> All right, but yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, like Kimbrel, like obviously that was a huge pickup, right? Because he's got yeah. like since I picked him up, it's been a one seven five ERA. He's got fifteen Oof. saves. Like that's nice. That's a huge. huge pickup. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's a monster pickup. Absolutely. Um, Kimbrel, Kimbrel's been just. I think he got to a point this year where people didn't believe that he was actually pitching well. Even yeah. when Alvarado was on fire, yeah, I just yeah. remember keep. I kept looking at Kimbrel and I'm like, well, this guy is ready <laughs> too to be the guy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, he he he's been like that all year, and I think he he was one of my um, go to picks in when the Gladiators first started. Um, 22nd, 21st round, no, like nobody wanted him. I th- have him and David Robinson on, on two two separate teams, both of them, as like uh, my second and third relievers uh, on those teams, just taking a shot. I was like, well, man, if I get like 10, 20, 10, 20 saves total, I'll be okay. And um, they've done way better More than, than that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, I was just – Relying on you know old uh, old veteran closer you know gets job. <laughs> yep, what you gotta do? Gotta do that, man. But you, yeah, I mean, you you got fitting in in both your mains though too, right? So you I yeah, mean, you should be pretty good between like, Holmes is kind of riding the ship a bit. You got Finnegan, who's who's a closer in in both. You've got Kimbrel in at least in one, and then I think you've got Lawrence in both still, right? So. You're you're doing all right. You should be all right in saves, right? Yeah, I'm actually I'm second in my league in saves. Which, in retrospect, I wish I you know some of those guys that I had just saved on like Finnegan was cheap, right? But the Floro thing, I probably should have dialed back a little bit because I don't know. I thought Puck would be out for longer, and then it you know Floro's fine, but he's just a guy. And then that's one where I probably should have 
pivoted a little bit more to the hitting, but I, you know, part of it was also uncertainty of like, all right, what's Holmes going to do the rest of the year? Do I have yeah. zero closers, you know, and trying to chase it. And then you chase it for a while. And then you're like, Oh wow. I have a lot of saves all of a sudden, like nobody has a ton of saves this year. Right. right? And so it's gotten to the point where, you know, I've got 53 saves, which doesn't feel like a ton, but I'm second in my league. Yeah. Uh, I see you rolling out the old, um, Scherzer Castillo Gaussman and 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 then six six relievers on on the one team which is fa- I'm fascinated by that but I, I guess I see maybe like three to six points in ERA plus saves is that the goal to try to just capture those points is that the best spot you sort of move up in points or is just just how your lineup came to be yeah I mean that league is kind of crazy I you know I'll be honest like I started the week and I thought all right I'm going to start Braxton Garrett. And then at the very last minute I chickened out and was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do it because it, I need like ERA is really packed together. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. It's packed. But every, I mean, if you go like third to eighth in this league, it's separated by, you know, third, third to through seventh is separated by four points. And one of those teams has zero fab left. And so I've, already gotten to the point where i'm just counting like where i can gain points basically and it's like all right i can get five in steals i can get you know three in era and a couple in saves i can sacrifice a couple in strikeouts uh you know the guy behind me in strikeouts is starting marco gonzalez which even if he was healthy would be uh like fuck (laughs) yeah so i'm like all right if i can squeeze the era down then i can make up ground and then of course you know for the week i've got a five era so yeah thanks to justin lawrence right it's not actually worked but it it was good in theory yeah Mm, yeah it sounds like your your main sounds like mine my i have a main where between second and seventh place is separated by two points there's two guys with 97. Me and Lucas Beery have 96. Yancey has 95 and a half. And then David Hubbard has 95. Like, it's the most insane league ever. And, yeah, we're just you're just looking at what everyone's doing. Like, certain guys are just completely punting saves, just going for volume. Certain guys are doing the opposite to try to improve ratios. And everything's just so bunched together. It's uh, it's going to be really interesting last couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, it's just, that's the decisions that we have to make, especially in fab now, because, you know, everyone's category, category hunting and category, you know, searching and ratio protecting. So it's uh, it leads to interesting um, ad drops decisions that I think, you know, at least I, I'm starting to make this week and we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Do you want to uh, ask? Well, oh, you want to yeah. ask about? Yeah, go ahead. Ron. I just want to ask him about his. Uh... Your bench tilt right now. So both of your teams, you got six one for pitching and um, uh, five two. Uh, I'm sorry, bats bats to arms. Six six bats to one arm and five bats to two arms. Is that um, do you always prefer that, or are you just trying to really maximize your hitting points and you know have to go to the well less? And I guess in fab. Yeah, I'd rather not be six one, but I got yeah. to the point where I was like, I've got seventy three pitching points. Like this is embarrassing how bad my hitting is that I'm not doing better in this league. And so I was like, all right, I gotta just take shots on guys, try to stream guys, try to catch up in volume and just make up some ground. And 
you know, it's gotten to the point. I mean, I don't know. Part of it is, is kind of dumb luck. Right. But if this team has like 90 wins and at what point, you know, I like in some, <laughs> it's in some aspects, like I regret dropping Yusei Kikuchi four weeks ago, but on the other hand, I like, I wouldn't use him. Like I don't like I would want the K's sometimes, but like, what is the, what's that the value to my team? And so it became a question of, all right, I got to just figure out like stream, you know, churn through hitters and try to find some guys for the last two months of the season that can help me catch up and make up ground. And so I, I figured, all right, you know, let's go to six hitters, one pitcher. I might go to seven hitters, honestly, pretty soon here. Cause it's just, that's the only way I can catch up. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple spots where I need to add some some hitting points. And, like, even last year, toward the end of the season, I was really um, – the bench was in favor of bat, and I was really even just stocking guys for even a, 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 a little bit of an upgrade, even from, like, a Friday to Sunday stream, you know, like where normally you can get burned a lot if it's a player that, you know, can lose a – um, one game because there's a, a change in the playing, uh, the opposite pitcher. But um, last year I did that too on one team. I just had guys ready to go on Friday to Sunday that I thought even even if they were just a little bit better, um, you know, I was just making moves and, and just trying to keep them on the bench and um, cycle through those guys. It helps, you know. You got to try to maximize it in, in some ways. So you might as well go all in and, and do that. Yeah, I mean, I feel great on, uh, you know, on Fridays when uh, the Blurg McSplurg tool tells me I got all green dots all the way down. But then, Ooh. You know, <laughs> nothing, it's nothing like today. seeing those, right? It's nothing <laughs> like seeing those green dots. I have one, I have one DC team, uh, well, two, two that I see a lot on the bench, and it really like makes me. First of all, it, it's exciting to know I have that many options. Like the, the one team I have in the top five overall, I. There's guys I'm leaving on the bench that are like my second, third best outfielders on other DCs. And but just to see that it is awesome to know they have the option, but it's also very stressful. Um, you know, like in Fab Leagues in the main event, you know, maybe you got six outfielders and you can, you know, choose that's easy choice, you know. Oh man. But when there's like nine outfielders sometimes on a cheat to Choose from like, I think I have Isbell who had the four game Monday to Thursday, and on that team I'm stacked. He's on my bench, you know. When <laughs> just, hit, it's so crazy. I'll trade spots with you, Robbie. You can take my <laughs> DC that's in tenth overall that has literally one bench player that is playing in the wow. major leagues, and I'm taking a zero at middle infield because Luis Garcia got sent down. Um, I'll trade spots with you. I, I would love to have any decisions to make i am like just, i would love i, I, I so. am just praying i am i i'm setting my pitching and i'm just fucking praying that like guys that have been dfa'd just like latch onto a team i think i saw like josh harrison got picked up by the rangers on a minor league deal and i'm just like praying to god he can get called up and just give me like I don't know, three at bats a week so I can plug him in at middle infield. So get him yeah. in your lineup. Get him in I, your lineup. Get him in. Get him in. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, I thought I thought CJ Abrams back thing. I was like, oh, maybe this is Luis Garcia's path back to the majors. And so I put him in. But but uh, you know, so you could be you could be on the other side of the coin where you're like 
praying to God that you don't have another outfield injury, so Miles Straw has to. I don't know. Be in your lineup. I spend so much time on this one one specific team because it's not even just looking at the bat and Raz yeah. ball. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's last fourteen, last thirty. Who are they facing? You know. Yeah. When's the last? Does, off what did this pad? pitcher throw? Yeah. Does he swing? Does how does he do her sinkers? Like uh, it's I, I'm nuts with the teams that have such crazy decisions and I don't know. It, yeah. It's I don't think it's fun um, at all. <laughs> Honestly, like this weekend, this week on one team, I had to make a decision between um, Andrew Heaney, Fott, uh, Mitch Keller. They're all on my bench on this one team. It's just. Not that they're the best, but uh, it's just a whole bunch of guys in that range uh, of. I don't know. I, I really have to do a deep dive. It doesn't. It's not just a snap decision. I'd rather, I'd rather just save time and just have no decisions to make. Like, you said. yeah. Want to? Just want to breeze through it. <laughs> All right. Well, be careful what you wish for. That's that's my only advice. One qu- one quick question too, um, Todd. Um, Next year for DC season, I just wanted to hear uh, uh, an impulsive, you know, pre-start of the uh, of drafting season next year. Just give me like your your best guess. Like, what will be a popular roster build? Um, even if you just want to go with one of the popular ones out there, the old pocket aces. Um, Pocket closers, would that come back because closers are doing so well? Or will just you see teams, you know, now loading up on speed? I don't know if you feel like, oh, you have to get speed early now, or is it I can get Hassan Kim and find the next Hassan Kim, right? At 250, that's going to get 30 stolen bases. What are your thoughts on early thoughts on next year's draft season right now? Yeah, so like pocket closers is the easy one, right? And I think another factor in that is going to be the guy who's leading the overall right now has Classe and Batista, right? And so uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're, we're, we're copycat people in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And we'll look mm-hmm. at that and there's the, there'll be people who analyze that team and say, all right, I'll, I can do that kind of thing. I think that, um, I don't know, on like a, a little bit of a deeper level, like what about, uh, the way that we treat rookies and DCs, yeah. right. And how that's changed so much, you know, think about, you know, like I said, I came into the year thinking, all right, like, who's the, who's this year's Alec Manoa. And there's been like seven of those guys that have come up and some have been better than others, but you know, these are guys, a lot of guys who were drafted like super late in DCs because you know, one of the sort of baseline assumptions has always been like, you know, like load up on guys who are in the major leagues, you know, pitchers, especially the late pitchers, right. And sort of ignoring some of those prospect pitchers. I wonder if like the, the way that teams are moving these guys a lot quicker, maybe it's because they have more of, you know, whatever stuff models or something internally where they're like, they don't need to see these guys succeed at double A, right? Like Bryce Miller kind of stunk at double A and the Mariners called him up anyways. And he shoved right away. And so I wonder if those types of guys, you know, um, 
Ellie De La Cruz, like he was a 30th mm-hmm. round pick in every DC that I was in this year. And so, you know, is there, there, there's a hunt for that guy next year. And does he get pushed up, you know, whoever it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, those, those types for sure. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, I, you know, like, what are your guys thoughts on the, the injury guy, like the guys coming back from injury because there was, you know, like, Harper, Rodon, like the injury discount guys, they fell. And maybe part of it is, you know, maybe there's only so far they can fall because they just stay at the top of the queue for so long that somebody eventually just decides, you know, screw it, I'll take that guy. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of those guys have been duds this year, right? Like Harper came back early and he's still, you know, he's got eight home runs and he's almost played the entire season at this point. And, you know, Rodon's been pretty terrible. So I wonder if those guys fall even further or if it, you know, it, it, it's an impulse thing and people just can't resist to buy the discount. I don't know. Those are the kind of things that I was kind of thinking about as we go into to DCs for next year. I love year. it. Yeah. No, I think you hit on, on, on a, a wide variety of things that definitely been on my mind for sure. Um, and you mentioned, yeah, the guy, Clark, Clark Olson, who's first in the DCs. He has Class A Batista and he has Jason Adams and he doesn't have another, he doesn't, he had, he doesn't have another reliever. He doesn't yeah. have another, he didn't draft another reliever. And that's yeah. so much stuff that you could be adding to, you know, arms and bats. You know, obviously, yeah, you know, Class A has to hit, but even if just one of those guys get, gets to 40, right? You're already, you know, midway in your league probably, right? You're already getting seven, eight points with one of them. And so you could stay well in your league, still cash in your league, and then you get that bonus, you get that other guy, and you have so many other, you know, um, assets in, in other spots. Um, it's 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 nice. It looks, pretty. it looks pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this is such a – outlier year in terms of the lack of turnover at the closer position that it um, is to try to replicate that next year might be a fool's errand like you know like like you said one one you go to closers early and then you don't address it later um it's a and it's an overall competition right so it's a fine line to to walk if one of those guys gets hurt you might have just you know blown your shot at, at the overall right off the bat um just because you you know you might not get enough saves um, with just one um, holding it down. So I don't know. It, it's it's awesome for him like to to do that, but um, I still feel like you need like I don't know five ish. Yeah, yeah, just some extra guys that you feel like could could grab a couple. But the um, the other guy is Jason Adams, so he definitely took three you know three guys ish at the top. Like you know. What? You know, you, you know what's so funny though when I'm looking at this. If you look at um, the overall DC, um, the top ten, one, two, three drafted fifteenth, three drafted fifth, um, a guy drafted thirteenth, a guy drafted eleventh. It's like it's like really weird. It's like either first or at the end of the draft. Um, not Acuna, so it's not yeah. Acuna. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. and I think I think what you mentioned with the rookie Todd is. Yeah, I definitely weren't. I definitely weren't afraid to draft rookie bats. I wasn't on any of the arms per se, um, 
but the bats, I wasn't afraid to draft them, but I guess I was just more tuned into who I thought was closest. And I wasn't, I didn't have any Ellie because I just didn't think it was feasible. I thought Kevin Newman meant it was no Ellie this year. So that's why I drafted fucking Kevin Newman. <laughs> Not that he wasn't a bad option the first couple of months, but. Hey, that's, uh, that's your leadoff hitter against lefties for the Reds. I. I know, but still, I I guess um I knew that teams were gonna get a little more aggressive with their bats, or even at some point pull off the Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson. So there's a lot of guys who I thought I took um, later on, like Cowser and Westberg, who I was expecting maybe even to get only that 100 plate appearance threshold. They came up a little earlier. They're not playing every day, which also kind of stinks, but. I guess I was more tuned into um, guys who were uh, one level closer, and I guess I have to just think outside the box a little bit, um, a little bit more, and, and, and maybe be a little more um, open-minded to a player like Elliot Dela Cruz. Or I obviously went like well aware of who he is. Not like I didn't know who he was and didn't want to take him. Just um, just didn't fit the the mold of the prospect that I was willing to start investing more in, you know, and draft. And draft champions, so it's definitely a good call, though. Like, it, you know, I, I learned my lesson, the hard lesson of like in, in past DC years, like taking too many young guys that never even made it to the majors. So, like, the last two years have been like one or two prospect bats at most, and and it's a lot of boring veteran guys that um, you know seem to have kind of made their way out of the game this year i feel like just like you know got like play teams just are like we don't need let's look at like josh harrison mike brasso christian arroyo like miguel and guys that i was like in previous years found a way to have at least like a major league job and this year they're like these guys are replaceable by younger yeah. guys so yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's need to be a little more um, willing to take rookie bats, and that's definitely something I'm going to enter next year doing. Yeah. Colton Wong, like, yeah, there's just not a, their teams are are like these guys don't aren't worthy of a major league roster spot. Yep, I agree. It's just better to just just see what you got from the youngsters. If you got ones that are really that you know, it's just silly. I mean, right? It's like. It's always so crazy to me. It's like you have the the players that you know are already play better than players on your team, you know. And it's like, yeah. what kind of world is that where the best players are not actually at the highest level? <laughs> it's yeah, fascinating. But, you know, it really gets to me sometimes. But I don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's still not fixed, right? Because, like you said, they bring these guys up and then they play three times a week, and you're like, why? Like, why are you playing this dud? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, I, on the Orioles' part, it's, I could still see the value in some of the Adam Frazier and Ramon Urias, yeah. but at the same time, you know, it's um, I'm just no, being it's selfish. It's tough to sit some of, the, some of the production they've gotten from their castaway pickups like Aaron Hicks. Like, O'Hearn. Uh, O'Hearn, yeah, like guys yeah. that you, they probably didn't expect anything out of are producing. So it's like, how do we take them? Out like they still need to play there. I as think long that's as a producing. good point too. I think that's a great point too. If those guys weren't at least you know productive, um, they probably 
again, they probably like, oh, well, what are we going to do? We can't just start benching these guys because they are making it happen. If at some point they become duds again, yeah, like O'Hearn, who just completely changed his career um, with the Orioles, it's, it's fascinating. They'll, I think they'll like, move I mean, on. It's, it's part of the same trend that we talked about earlier, though, right, where every team now has a bunch of part-time players. I didn't think it was possible for every team to play tune guys as much as they have but man you look at every single team on the lineup tracker and like you know name the teams that play guys every day it's like the braves Braves. the nationals (laughs) rangers Rangers. they they platoon out a few but they play a lot yeah but i mean even teams like the a's you're like why are the a's playing tony kemp like they got all these other guys and you know it's it feels like it's every team in the majors now. Yep. Yeah. They, yeah. I'm always yelling. I'm like, just let Seth Brown play. <laughs> so much Seth Brown and DCs and other teams. Like, I eventually had to get rid of him. Now he's hot again, though. He's, 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 I think he's, he's healing, but fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right. Let's talk All a little right. bit about Fab this from, from this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, overall this week, uh, we had about $11,000 in FAB spent across the main event contest, $8 per ad, which has been pretty much what we've been spending per week um, per ad the last uh, five five weeks now. Um, average spend per team was 14 bucks, which is the same as last week. The week before, it was 12 And then two weeks before that, it was 12 So, you know, the spending has definitely come down average average team has 83 bucks remaining in fab um rob you're you're a little bit ahead of that in one main you got 89 bucks but then the other five of our teams are are uh, all pretty well below that i mm-hmm. think we're in the 40s 30s 20s so uh yeah we're we're in we're in dollar days now but i think i think that's fine um we got i guess seven weeks left right seven more fab periods so or maybe it's six more fab periods, seven more weeks, but uh yeah, we're get we're we're coming down to the end of it. So um still crazy too, because last year um the average amount like just in week twenty and twenty one was twenty six and then twenty three and then this year it's fourteen and fourteen. And I guess it's just a product of, of, of the rate we spent last year versus this year, right? We had a little bit more money that we were a little bit um you know, and and I looked at it like it wasn't because if there was um really a any guy, yeah, yeah, there wasn't a big guy. I don't think, uh, I think the Vaughn Grissom week really was the the, the following week last year, um, because mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest one of the final uh, big ones of the season last year. Uh, that was technically oh, I just had it up. Yeah, I was technically, um. It was August fourteenth, but it was technically week twenty. So yeah, I guess he had a big influence on that. He went up for max three thirty one, uh, which is crazy to think that we had that much money left. The median fifty eight bucks that week for good old Vaughn Grissom, and he's back around, man. Yeah, he's back around, back around. See, not playing every though, year. <laughs> every year at this time, it is funny though. Like I, I look at some of the, you know trying to find Trent from last year to this year, or just like the kind of player that comes up at this time of the year. And he's a rookie. And we're kind of interested on him. And you see him in the same players 
in general around it. Um, you know, I'm always finding a lot of Kike Hernandez and um, just like guys that pop up. I'm like, man, you guys just get added every year. He's <laughs> added and dropped every year. There's, there's so many plays like that, but yeah. All right. So obviously, yeah, this week, the, the two, I would say big targets um, were Trevor story and Emerson Hancock. Hancock was added in, uh, all but one league, and Story was added in the 51 leagues that he was available. I've had him stashed in one league for the last two months. So, oh, finally, special story guy. Yeah, but then when I see what he went for, he went for 83 bucks. Um, I, I stashed him for like 37 or something like that two months ago. I mean, it's different, you know, different money situation now versus then, but. Uh, yeah, it's like, what could I have done with uh, that 37 bucks over those two months? And, and, nah, uh, I can't think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, will get you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I think from the overall assessment of FAB, I feel like teams really shifted um, their focus from speculating on closers. Um, you know, like almost half of the most popular pickups in the weeks leading up to the trade deadline were concentrated on closer specs that has moved significantly. I would say more towards starting pitching. I think at least I found myself um, this week looking at the pitchers, the starters that were available, looking at what their next three, five, three to five weeks uh, matchups are going to be. Um, and, letting that direct my fab. And it seems like from looking at who the popular ads this week in terms of beyond, beyond Hancock, Matt Libertor, Javier Assad, Alan Winans, Dakota Hudson, Alex Fiedo, it just feels like, you know, managers were taking that approach too. Maybe it's that they said, Hey, you know, these roster spots for Brooks Raley and for, you know, whoever else they speculated on that didn't materialize for saves we're now going to use that to go after pitching. That's just one of the, um, if you want to call them pitchers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The overriding, <laughs> overriding factors. Um, I don't understand a lot of it though. Like whining that I didn't understand. He's not, he's not in the rotation anymore. Yeah. So I think that that one was uh kind of un- unfortunate timing. So he had the good start in the double header against the Mets on Saturday, Push. I think. First the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the Binghamton mm-hmm. Rumble Ponies. Yes, the Rumble uh, Ponies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think people were saying, all right, he had this good start um, and, you know, maybe speculate on him taking Yanni Chirino's spot in the rotation. So I think that is kind of what the driving force behind that pickup was. Um, but the news that he was getting demoted to triple a came, they played the Sunday night game. So the, that game didn't end until after fab ran. And mm-hmm. after that game is when they said, we're sending wine down to triple a. So I think if it was a one o'clock game, um, people that added him might've had that news. So yeah, that that's one that will probably be a popular cut next week, but you know, you got to play the spec game sometimes. And if you want to spec on a, 
a Braves pitcher if you need wins. It's not a I bad guess. spot to go, right? At that point, you're specking over him, you know, taking over the job from Yanni Chirinos, who's another dud. So I yeah. get that. I get right. that. I guess that when you put that against. But I, I, I guess you could just see, uh, you know, for me, I just see a lot of reaches on a lot of these pitchers, you know, um, yeah. this week. And I just think maybe that's um, some some aftermath of teams that, you know, didn't go after Silseth or Reagan's in the last couple of weeks and just threw money at Javier Assad and Fiedo. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. I mean, uh, is there was there anybody on the list here, like the popular ads that that you guys were interested in? I guess you know we're. I guess let's focus on on the pitchers since we're kind of hammering that right now. Like, was there anybody there that you were interested in? Um, Pitching wise, not really. Um, I threw a couple bucks at Hancock. Um, maybe as high as um, 12, 13 in one of my leagues. And as much as he didn't wow me, um, I think he just has pretty good secondaries, which I like. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fastballs could be better, but it's also in the back of my head, mm, it's the Mariners. And yeah. They haven't, they haven't steered us wrong. And that could be stupid analysis. But to me, it's just they seem like a pitching factory right now. Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, uh, Wu. <laughs> All these yeah. guys have been really great options in 15-team leagues. So um, I think anyone who went Hancock's way or, you know, got him or were aggressive on him, I think it's a, I think it's a good play. I can't say it's a, it's, it's, it's a risky play. I think at this point of the year, he's, I see some of these other guys. Like I know what Javier Assad is. I know that he has random good starts, but I just don't think you know. I'd rather take the upside with a Hancock. Libertor was a guy that I thought he was clearly, you know, I wrote like a detailed long thing on him and Fab. And most of the stuff I I kind of write is just to be like, here's all the stuff I found. You know, see if you can come into a decision with it because sometimes. You don't know. like, I, And with Liberto, I thought it was just straight-up velocity from playing the Rays, and it clearly showed that um, I did, I wasn't going to weigh that one start right over what I stalled over the whole season. Yeah. And, and and again, he you know he went for a decent a decent chunk of change. Fajardo, I think, it's just not enough there for me to trust. And also, you have um, Spencer Turnbull, who's working his way back, right? I think he's the first guy out. Um, and maybe Olsen, but I think it's going to be Fajardo. And um, I was a little... I think Schultz was the guy that I was probably most interested in secondary because he just started throwing with a whole bunch of more velo. Um, looked, you know, he looked pretty sharp in his last three starts. And maybe... Sleeper, sleeper wise was um, what's his face, Cole Irvin, because he does have some good starts coming up. Um, he's got a home, he's got at Oakland, then versus Colorado the following week. Um, though two good parks, two shitty offenses, and you know he pitched. He's been pitching better of late, so that's how I felt about the pitching this week. I, I was more um, taking shots with. Uh, some Bo Brisky in case it wasn't Foley. Um, mm. I streamed a little Jojo Romero and 
I thought I streamed the save, and apparently it was just a win right now. Did yeah. they did they change that yet? I heard uh, I I heard that there was some talk about them appealing it potentially, but uh, yeah, I mean JoJo got to go into arbitration with a save. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, we you got, know what? Yeah. I don't want any score changes after the season. They already bit me once last year in the NFPC, and I don't want it fucking happen again. So yeah, if they're gonna change it, they better change it like the night of or, or the next <laughs> morning. That means like three okay. days. I, I I follow that Twitter account that uh you know updates scoring changes and and shit like that, and like they'll post the video of the play that happened and like right. what happened and like what it changes the player's batting average to, like the Royals. Um, Mariners game a couple couple nights ago where uh, Daron Blanco hit uh, that bunt that walk off bunt off Matt yes. Rash. They changed it to um, from a sacrifice to a hit, and uh, and now they're saying like Brash is gonna ch- challenge it because he's gonna challenge it for it to be an error on Dylan Moore or whatever. So it's like <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. But I, I like that account. But like sometimes you see them like months later and it's like holy shit you change this. There was a big one right at the the um all star break when they changed a Mets like an Adam Ottavino win- save to a win or something like that. And it was like from back in April and I was like holy shit you're changing yeah. this three months later. Um but mm-hmm. uh so yeah, it's interesting. I like I like following that count just to see the official scoring changes and like, because um, yeah, it, it you know you know too well, Rob. It it has uh, an impact on what we do. No, oh, and that, that, I mean that was just you know obviously unfortunate. I don't know if stuff happens like that every year, but you know last year I did stink. It would have you know I would have came in second, not third. But again, the scoring change came in the day after payout, so. And they can't wait around forever. But it was it was also like three days after the season ended. So I was like, oh, come on. It's so close. It's so close. It took away the O'Neill Cruz steal. And um, it was it was crazy because in my league, there was a four-way tie for steals at 120. So the guy who lost a Cruz steal, Bradley Libros, who ended up coming a second, he dropped down a point and a half, you know? And I was like, wow. And I just went straight to it because I knew it. I knew it. I was following that league so close. And um, I just how we get to get at the end of the season, right, when we're just micromanaging everything and we're a point here, a point there. We just, like, know everyone's rosters. And I was like, I went right to it. I was like, man, what did this mean? What did this mean? And then now every since, ever since then, I hate scoring changes. When people show it to me, I'm just like, Phil yeah, loves to Phil loves to look at it, and he's like always keeping me updated. I'm like, enough with the fucking scoring. <laughs> you got that Twitter wanna... account blocked. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I I, I don't fuck with it at all. all right. I'm all right. scarred. I'd be, yeah, I'd rather not know. Just like live in ignorance. Yeah, yes, to yeah, know that true. Justin Steele's ERA dropped by half a point or whatever. Oh, they... Yeah, when he had those five earned runs <laughs> taken off, that was crazy too. But that was an error. That was that was. But uh, Bobby Witt's gonna lose that home run he hit on Monday. With, there's they're gonna switch that Canzone. to an error. Yeah, on Canzone. We'll see that one coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Todd. Anybody you wanna touch on in terms of like you know I, I broke down players that were at or I I gave the list of players that were at in like ten or more leagues. 
anybody uh, catch your eye? Yeah, I mean, the like I said, the hitters are the ones that I'm like really focused on mm-hmm. right now. So, like, <clears throat> Loriano was the guy that I went after in both leagues. I think, I don't know, like he's probably a dud, but as a like, it, I think it was around I don't know Friday or Saturday of last week where I started to get the thought in my head where I was like, you know what, uh, the A's last year right dfa'd a guy right around the middle of august who was hitting 237 301 373 right just a complete dud and he went to his new team and he hit 271 with nine homers and 11 steals and one people leagues you know who i'm talking about elvis andrews who's a popular ad this week right yeah and so i like could not get it out of my head that like this maybe he could pull an Elvis Andrus. Like, I don't hate that. I don't hate that crazy. Call. And so I thought, you know what? Like chase it, whatever. And he played, he played like every day since Cleveland picked him up. Right. And then of course he sits on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He played six straight. They moved him up from six to yeah, fifth, he, to fourth, hit, to third. I thought he hit third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And like, like he's hit every spot in the lineup between third and sixth. And, he, and he's played every day this week. Fucking yeah, wild. So, yeah. so I mean that, that that was yeah that was that was my thought. That, like that was the the kind of top guy that I was after, and then the rest of it was just like you know I you know one guy I need to retire is Nick Ahmed. Like I need him to just get out of baseball because I can't quit <laughs> like picking him up in Fab when he goes to Coors. Like the one dollar Nick Ahmed ad where you you know you stream him in Coors. I he mm-hmm. he. he he almost did a grand slam today, so oh my god, he he paid me off with three RBI. But I mean, there that's just that he's such a bad actual real life baseball player he's at this so, point. <laughs> yeah, um, he just he just keep he just keeping the seat warm for Jordan Lawler to come up in September. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's an easy easy drop next week. And then <laughs> I, I I don't know, like Canzone is the other guy that I actually picked up that I thought was interesting who I don't know, like maybe it's not, maybe it doesn't happen this year, but he's got a, like a similar profile to the Kerry Carpenter. Yep. Right. And you Absolutely. guys kind of mentioned it earlier. Like, I don't know. Kerry Carpenter has played half a season basically. Right. Like almost 300 plate appearances. He's hitting 286 with 16 homers and he's on pace for nearly a hundred RBI. Like that's, a guy from earlier in the season that I kind of regret dropping because mm. he was in a platoon and now he's playing every day and the yep. team stinks, but whatever, like he's, he's batting yeah. in the middle of that lineup. There's a lot of things about Canzone I see that are similar to Carpenter, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a next year thing. Cause he, he makes a ton of contact. He doesn't swing and miss. He can barrel the ball up. He's not like huge max EVs, but there's something there, but also, like we said, he stinks defensively, and I, I don't know. Like he could easily fall into a, a DH type role as well. So, I mean, that team needs power, though. Like I, th- like you know, I can't get the. Uh, it was two things. I picked him up two weeks ago um, in, in one of my mains just so that I could have him for this seven game week because I can't get the home run off Strider out of my mind. One, <laughs> two, the fact that. Seattle, I think 
wanted him in the seawall trade. Like, they targeted him. And three, then Sunday's home run, like, that fucking towering, yeah. like, bomb. Yeah. I, I, so I, I agree with, like, your your opinion on him. Like, I think there's something there, and they need the offense. So, um, yeah. as long and as you love I don't, last. Like, going into last night, even after last night, Teoscar Hernandez has a 90 WRC plus against righties. Like, there's no reason that Teoscar should be an everyday player against right-handed pitching. And the Mariners, like, desperately need offense. And, you know, obviously, you know, playing a four-game set against the Royals doesn't hurt either. So, yeah, I like it. No, that's such a a good call. I was going to... I'll say the same thing about Kerry Carpenter too. Um, even an OC where it's just like constantly streaming, but um, at some point, like we discussed before, you have to start playing platoon players. But it's such a hard decision to like hold a guy like that when your mind isn't built so much on holding this guy who doesn't play every day, and and the hope that he does play every day. And that was big for him, too, getting that everyday run. But I think even without it, um, he would still be effective. But starting to play versus lefty just made him like, ah, oh, like I kind of saw it, like didn't see it coming, but just felt like I always said it on myself. Well, they should just let him play versus lefty, <laughs> you know? But I do like Canzone's, uh He just smokes the ball, you know? He just... Yeah. um and two, like, you know, they could have easily just not traded for him and just keep giving Marlowe run, right? Now they're just giving it to both of them, which is cool, but they actively seek them out, I think, and, um, you know. It's because, well, like, DePoto just keeps chasing the ghost of Mitch Hanniger. Like, he oh, yes. <laughs> loves the Mitch Hanniger trade that he made, and so he's trying to get those guys that crush – it still kind of looks like a left-handed Hanniger too. Just like actual, cool. like if you actually like look at his face, he kind of like looks like him. So, yeah, funny. Yep. Um, right. Yeah. So real quick, I I I had a deal more this week, and that was a mistake. I thought he was gonna play every day. He got scratched Friday, and he 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 went into the weekend playing Saturday, Sunday. That's all getting scratched Friday, and then you know that would have lined him up for two straight thoughts versus righties. I was like, oh, this looks like they're gonna he's gonna be every day short, and Caballero and Rojas to play second, but that wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> I got stole a base. He stole a base today. He redeemed stole a base. It. Uh, the old pinch, the old pinch SB, pretty solid. Um, and I got story in the league, in one main. Um, which I don't know how I feel about not him the player, but if you know, it was always the whole decision weighing on my mind is just do I use all this resource now or do I chop it up into a whole bunch of different ads that'll help my team and then. It came down to, like, uh, I don't think I'm going to get Trevor Story in another 15-team league because the one league where, um, I don't know, I kind of could have used them a little bit. It's, uh, I was already down to 47, and I probably had to go to the winning bid was 34, so I would have left myself, like, 13 bucks rest of the season. I was like, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. But... That's it. That's all I did on the uh, on the main event side in my auction leagues. I, I I didn't 
I've been churning a, a couple different spots, but it was uh, pretty similar bids. All right. Yeah, so Todd, you, look, the one thing I noticed is um, it looks like your drops across both your mains were, were very similar, and then your ads across both your mains were very similar. Um, so do you are you typically just like setting a list in preference and then just copying it over across both mains or like, um, I guess just you, you have, you mentioned your roster construction, you have just so many bench bats that I guess you're just like setting, you're just looking for, for batters across both leagues. So you're just setting up, you know, your preference order and it's just how it's shaking out that you're getting a lot of the same guys across both teams. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have like switched it up a little bit this week, but I, I was also on vacation, and then oh, look at was that, flying back on Sunday, and I thought coming into it, I was like, well, it was a flight from Montreal to Vancouver, and I was like, well, we had Wi-Fi on the way here, like I'll just get the Wi-Fi and I'll like keep track of things and I'll like change my fab, do the normal stuff that I usually do. And the plane didn't have Wi-Fi. Oh so yeah, we, we landed. <laughs> we landed like ten minutes before Fab ran, and so I was just like scrambling real quick through Twitter to see if I missed anything. But basically, everything that I did this week, I had already set on Saturday okay. night. Like I couldn't make any late changes. That's that's very similar. So I, I flew down to Aruba on Sunday, the last not this Sunday, but the weekend of the sixth. So the sixth. And I did the same thing. I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll do fab on the plane. And, uh, of course, same, same story. I, uh, I like closed my eyes for the first like hour of the flight. And when I woke up, we were no longer over the U S and I couldn't buy the Wi-Fi on the plane. So I couldn't do fab on the plane. So we get to the resort and, uh, you know, we get there at like three and in the back of my mind, I'm like, fuck, I still got like. A decent amount of fab to to do um but i made it work at least two weeks ago um i had more time this week but uh yeah so you you added loriano in both um brenton doyle in one charlie blackman in one canzone in both pablo reyes in one nick ahmed in one dylan moore in one and mark vientos in one so um yeah, I don't know, some duds in there, but like I said, Coors, Stream, uh, you know, the Pablo Reyes thing, I don't know, like, that's the guy, maybe he's interesting, I don't, like, the Red Sox keep playing him, I don't actually think he's good, but he's one of those guys that, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know Joe Gentile, like, the, uh, like, he used to post stuff on Twitter all the time about these super deep league guys, he used to be a huge Pablo Reyes guy, he was like, the first guy I ever saw talk about Taylor Ward. <laughs> and so oh. I think I've had it like stuck in my head that Pablo Reyes is going to be a star one day, even though he's like 30 years old and uh, been bouncing around all over the place. So I don't know. He had another home run tonight on my bench, of course, but that was just like just grabbing guys who were playing. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I added Harvey Hunter Harvey, who's going to be a cut. I, I dropped Carlos Fernandez. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know even what the hell I was doing. Like, Finnegan, I, I should have known. Like, Finnegan's not going to let up the role. Harvey, it's got, like, an elbow and a forearm issue, and he didn't, yeah. and, and he didn't do a rehab. So, it's like, 
and, and he's Hunter Harvey. He's always hurt. So it's like, what, what, why am I even doing this? But um, I think I just wanted Carlos Hernandez off my team. So uh, I, I dropped him in both mains. Um, so I picked up Harvey. I picked up Elvis Andrews in both my mains. Um, grabbed a little Nelson Velasquez action. Nice. Alec Burleson. Picked up Louis Varland in both my mains as well. And then um, I got an $11 Emerson Hancock and I cut uh, and I grabbed Jesse Schultons also. But um, yeah, I had some tough cuts this week. I mean, I cut I cut Cutter in one of my mains, cut yeah. Carlos Hernandez in both, cut Indian in a main, uh, cut Wu in a main. So I think like for me, it was like, and I think in prior weeks i would have deliberated a lot more over those cuts like india cutter i don't know i i think i'm just getting more cutthroat and i'm i, I mean obviously we only have you know 7 weeks so it's kind of like i looked at the next couple weeks for for crawford and where i thought his starts were going to shake out and i was like i don't see myself using him in the next 2 or 3 weeks so um I, I decided to cut him in one of my two. Um, and now, of course, this week I've lost Steven Matz. And um, so now it's like I would like to have him. But, um, yeah, I think I think like I think looking at all of our cuts, you know, we made uh, Rob, you also cut cutter like we made tough cuts. But like at this point in your season, are you kind of doing like what I said, where you're looking at their schedule the, the next few weeks and deciding whether or not they would even make your lineup and making that decision accordingly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. I, even guys like, like Johan Rojas, like I liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He set, he set one day and then they had five games this week. And I was mm. like, yep. I don't know. The schedule's not good. And so I'll pick him back up next week for $2 probably. Like, yeah. That time of year. Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. Can always try to to re-add him. Yeah, Varlin one. I thought I was so smart. I was like, nobody's talking about this guy. He's getting his velo back up at AAA a little bit. He's had put together like three really good starts, and and then to top it all off, Dallas Keuchel is still getting major league starts. I was like, there's no <laughs> way they're gonna give Dallas Keuchel another start. Varlin's definitely gonna come up and take that start. Nobody's thinking about it. And, of course, Louis Varland starts in uh, AAA today, St. Paul. And Joe Ryan's rehabbing, so he's going to just come back and take that Dallas Keuchel start. Yeah. So. Yep. So, another another guy that's going to go back to the waivers. But I think Velasquez <laughs> might have been a good – good. I like that. A guy got a 50% bow rate in his career and, um, you know, his last swing I missed there. But I felt like – and the option Ali there is that's a good sign, you know. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I like that yeah. pick. Yeah. Very well. Um, Dami's the da, Dami's dog pancake. How is the How is the dog pancake doing? Uh, Did anyone check up on him? Uh, okay? Yeah, I've been hitting him up on Twitter every now and then. It seems oh, like yeah? uh, I think uh, I think the Rays news is kind of. Uh, disillusioning him a little bit, but uh, sure he'll be all right. He's been making some uh, some good food. He's been posting a lot of food pics lately. So <laughs> my my dog pancakes are becoming less uh, prevalent with 
Rasmussen, Springs. I guess I got Latell. So there, there's my, uh, Gotta there's go my Latell. Tampa Ray to, to yeah. fill the dog pancake quota. Make so. Yeah. Yep. Nice scoop. Nice scoop. Um, what about some cut to the week? You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I wanted to look, you know, just I always look at popular cuts, but uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to me like mcclanahan getting dropped in 35 leagues like once he had the forearm injury and he starts going for second and third opinions like that's my if i had him that would be my cue to cut him um because nothing ever good comes from second and third opinion so <laughs> I, th- I think it's either a sign that you know maybe guys that had him are are kind of checked out and they're focused on football or maybe they're out of money they can't make drops but um you know i th- i just think the fact that he wasn't like dropped in 100 percent of leagues um or close to it i still think he's owned in about a quarter um just kind of is a reminder of like where some of the competition is at where certain people are not um as locked in like um even like india dropped in like a quarter of leagues I mean, they said he was shut down for two weeks, and then from there, it's still another ten to fourteen day ramp up at, at best case. So he's out like a month. So like, yeah, you gotta. I mean, I think you have to be a little more uh, cutthroat at this point. Like, at most, he's gonna give you two two weeks of major league production. Uh, so it's kind of like I think you have to think about what the timetable is for some of these guys and like what that means for production like two weeks if a guy's out for two weeks like oh yeah it doesn't sound that bad but like that's a big chunk of what's left so Mm -hmm. um yeah good point Uh, very good point i saw um what's his name grayson grayson the uh list up here a lot of guys that were just recently added like uh curtis mead david schneider Guys were just picked up for Luis Urias last week too. Luis Urias, yeah. I prefer not to mention that one. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> he just it continuously fools me, or it's just uh, I mean, hasn't got a chance to get full run this year. But um, you know, once once you saw Reyes start playing well, it was like, oh god, yeah, just uh, bad pickup, bad pickup. What are you gonna what? do? But at this point, why, yeah, why is why is Davis Schneider not playing? Like, what is what is Espinal? I mean, I assume he's gone once Bichette comes back this weekend or whatever. But and DeYoung, they traded for him, so whatever. But like, why why is Espinal playing over this guy? I don't know. They don't seem to think much of him. It's weird. Yeah, it's right. just so strange too, though, because like when they called him up, they hit him third. So it's like <laughs> they clearly thought highly of him and then just like yeah it's scratch your head like it doesn't it's tough to uh yeah i don't know if like maybe defensively he just like was a butcher or something like that and maybe that's the decision to justify it but that's another team where it's like you kind of need the offense and like you definitely you thought highly enough of him from a hitting perspective that bat him third I don't mm-hmm. know. It's the head scratching thing that we have to deal with as fantasy managers, right? Joey yeah, Musgrove yeah. scooped up eleven times, and he, he, you got to think he's gonna pitch again this year. 
You should, right? I mean, maybe with how San Diego is tracking, at like what what are they going to have to gain from having him th- even pitch? Sure. By the time he's ready to go, they might really be out of it. I don't. I, this time of year, I don't know why you would pick up a guy like that. Like maybe you're hoping for something, like just grasping at straws. But I don't see any way that he provides significant value. Why? Why? Like why would they pitch him? Why would he go deep? Why would? Yeah, yeah that's the. Back? Yeah, that's a good point. It's like even if he does come back, it's they're gonna be like fighting for their lives and he's probably not going to be significantly built up. So it's like, and, and by the time he's back, they'll have two more roster spots. So like, that's one thing to think about too, is like teams are going to have an extra guy in the bullpen now. So starts, I think in September are going to start getting a little shorter. Um, So when you have these guys coming back, like it's even more of a reason for them and and they're not going to have rehab. They're not going to have, like minor league games to play in rehab. So like some of these guys that are coming back in September, their rehab might just be short major league starts, like one turn through the order type stuff. Um, so yeah, you're, you're signing up for maybe like the last two weeks of the season, having like shortened starts where he's trying to build up, you know, but I think he's pretty, uh, I think he's pretty cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Any other scrubs you want to talk about in this drop list? Or <laughs> get us some final thoughts and get get out of here. Get get let our guests go. Uh, get some sleep. Yeah. No, it's still I, I early. I, it's still early here. I... Still early there. It's late <laughs> night here. Yeah. No, I th- I thought uh, I thought we covered everything going on pretty cool. good. I I really yeah. enjoyed meeting you, Todd, talking through stuff. It was, uh, it's always good to talk with somebody that's as passionate about this stuff as us. Yeah, man. Todd, Todd thanks for hopping on. Thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge with us. Thanks for always, too, coming. You, in the Discord, you hit us with something like no one else is thinking about, and I think that's, uh, that's always – I don't know. It always intrigues me. I'm like, you always pop in with something really – different from everyone else's thinking and i like that it's just contrasting it's a nice little balance to uh the discord you know yeah yeah, yeah. well i appreciate all you guys and yeah, man. and all of the banner in the discord it's it's been fun to follow and it's kept me engaged and and feel like part of a community so appreciate cool. everything rob yeah man keep kicking butt and good luck to the uh the end of the season and um we'll see you in october draft 